Welcome to Calvary Chapel Sebastian Podcast. We hope that you're blessed by this message. Um, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 9, verse 27. If you need a Bible, our guest services will be happy to give you one. Just raise your hand and they'll give it to you. Um, tonight, we're gonna, what we're going to be talking about is we're going to be reading in this, this passage is Jesus doing some more healings. Jesus has been doing some public healings, and tonight we're going to go over a little bit about those healings. But what's interesting about these healings are it's not as much about the Jesus' healings. What we're looking at, we're going to be looking at the response or the responses of the people during these healings, okay? And there's three different responses we're going to look at, and some responses are good, and some responses are not so good. So when we look at responses, and for all of us, sometimes when we respond, do we respond to things, or do we react to things? Sometimes we react, and I'm, I am... I am guilty of that. I reacted. Somebody moved the pulpit here. I reacted. I didn't respond well. But we're going to look at that tonight, and we're going to look at how these people responded to Jesus, and then we're going to see how Jesus responded to them. And his response is amazing because when Jesus does something, we all know it is amazing always. So as we look at those three responses, I'm just going to tell you what they are because um, the first response is belief because they're going to believe in Jesus. The second one is amazement. And then the last one is kind of like a blasphemy, an unbelief or an open denial of who Jesus really is. And you'll see in this teaching, they kind of, they come right out and they call Jesus out. This is about the second time they've done this to him. They call him out and they say some pretty bad things about him, okay? So then we see what Jesus' response is, and Jesus' response is compassion. And aren't we thankful that our God has compassion on us, even when we react or we respond in a bad way, he's always there loving and full of compassion for us. So you should be in Matthew 9, verse 27 right now. And I'm going to go ahead and start. And it says this. After Jesus left the girl's home, two blind men followed along with him, shouting, Son of David, have mercy on us. Now, this is the first time that they called Jesus the son of David, okay? The son of man. And there can be no doubt about that these men were confessing who Jesus was. Now, they were blind, so it was hard for them to get around, but they were making it around. People were probably taking them with them, but they had made it to this house, and they were crying out for mercy, it's interesting that these men were shouting, and what they were shouting, it did not throw Jesus off guard. Just like right now, if you shouted at me right now, I, would, I probably wouldn't know what to do. No, I would. I'd shout back. That's good. So, but they didn't throw Jesus off at all because Jesus responded versus reacting. 
So many times we react instead of respond. And Jesus always responded well. You know, it's just like I said, like when I'm up here or even like at a press conference and you see people heckling somebody, it throws them off their game, doesn't it? Jesus doesn't get thrown off his game. You ever see Jesus get thrown off his game? When he's up there doing stuff, it's all about him, just like the song. Everything is all about him. And I like what they did, though. They did the best thing they could do. They asked for mercy. These blind men asked for mercy. They didn't go back and say, hey, can we look at why I'm blind and what's taken me to this point? No, their sole approach was mercy to our Lord. They asked for mercy. And so he responded with them. And mercy and compassion go together. And we're going to see that later. But mercy and compassion are connected. And so then in verse 28, it says this, then they went right into the house where he was staying. And I think that was interesting because Jesus didn't deal with these men outside, did he? He didn't deal with them outside. And I think the reason that he didn't deal with them outside is that he's already been performing miracles, right? People are seeing what he's doing. And he's like, "Uh, you know, maybe I should keep it a little bit low key. So he moves inside and these men move inside with him. I thought it was interesting because he didn't heal them outside. He took them inside. And as we'll look at a little bit later, the reason I think he did that was because he has already said, my time has not come. When a member of the wine at the wedding and his mom, he said, woman, right? I love that verse, woman. But his time had not come and he'd already been out there doing miracles in front of everyone, in front of the public. The Pharisees had already been watching him and seeing what he was doing. So now he gets in the house with him and he asks, this is Jesus, and he says, do you believe that I can make you see? And they said, yes, Lord. They told him, we do. Then he touched their eyes and said, because of your faith, it will happen. So the first response we want to look at is belief. Their first response to Jesus was they believed that he could do it. Their faith. Do you believe that I can make you see? Now, Jesus healed these blind men in response to their faith. Now, faith does not always guarantee healing for every individual. But the emphasis is on a proper faith, a belief that we should have in Jesus Christ and the blessings that come from our faith. So many times people will say, well, it's because of lack of faith. It's not about proportion of faith. It's about faith. If we believe that God can do it, we believe that Jesus can do it. We have the faith and we trust in him to do that. And and it's interesting because he said, because you believe, your request will be granted. The faith of these two blind men 
is very worthy of notice. And I want us to take a note of this and at their responses. The first one is they had faith to follow Jesus. Remember, they were blind. They didn't know where they were going, but they followed Jesus. They believed in him, and they had the faith to follow him. This meant forsaking any other paths and any other direction and deciding to follow Jesus. And tonight for us, we have sight, right? We believe that Jesus can do what he says he's going to do. These men didn't have sight. They couldn't see, but they believed. The next thing was they cried out. They had the faith to cry out. They were willing to put their words and their desires out there. They had the faith to make some noise. They weren't afraid. They weren't embarrassed. How many times do we have an opportunity to cry out about our faith? And what do we do? We're quiet. We miss that opportunity. There's an open door. You see an open door, you don't go through it. We should be kicking them in. We should be making noise for Jesus Christ, crying out to him. And then the third response was very simply that they said, yes, Lord. These men simply proclaimed their faith with the response of yes, Lord. These blind men touched Jesus with their faith, and Jesus touched them with compassion in his healing hand. Jesus' response to us is compassion. And our response that we have to him has an eternal ramification. How we respond to him affects us for eternity. So as we believe, as we cry out, and we say, yes, Lord, I'm here for you, whatever that is. And then in verse 30, it says this. Then their eyes were opened and they could see. Jesus sternly warned them, don't tell anyone about this. But instead, they went out and spread his fame all over the region. Have you ever wondered why Jesus said, don't tell anybody? I mean, he's, he's doing miracles, right? But he says, don't tell anyone about this. But Jesus' time had not come, as I mentioned earlier. But see, everybody thought that, even the disciples thought that Jesus is here for a reason. He's here to establish his kingdom here on earth. You're going to free us from the Roman rule, but it wasn't his time. He did not want this to go out and do that. And what's interesting about these men is they had the faith they were doing that. But despite Jesus' warning, they couldn't resist telling other people. How about you? Do you tell other people what Jesus has done for you? 
or do we just keep quiet? Jesus has done so much for us. And just like these men, they could not wait to go tell what Jesus did for them. I think that's amazing. Though we don't really admire these men for their well-intentioned disobedience, I do admire them for their excitement over God's work and advancing the kingdom of God. Telling people about Jesus Christ. I think about that in my own life, and I have times where I've told people about what's going on in my life. Some of you know what's going on in my life. Um, I've talked about it before, but I was diagnosed with cancer, and I've had cancer for several years now. And when he put me where I was at, I questioned what was going on with that. And I still do question it at times, but he put me in a place that I would have never been. I would have never gone there, and it's called the infusion center, if you know what that is. That's where you go to get your treatments. I would have never went there, but he's put me there, and now I get to tell people about Jesus Christ there. I get to tell them about what he's done for me. He's given me this, I don't like it, but it's for his glory. There's a purpose for it. I don't have to know what it is. I don't know what it is, but I do know that I tell people about Jesus, what he's done for me. And I think it's interesting that this is the only area that I think these men had when it came to their unbelief is they just didn't have the faith to believe Jesus not to go tell people. But think about it. How could you not tell people? How could you not be telling people how excited you are of what he's done? And for all of us, there's excitement in what Jesus has done for each and every one of us. And then the next response is amazement. And I like this part of the passage. In verse 32, it says, When they left, a demon-possessed man who couldn't speak was brought to Jesus. So Jesus cast out the demons, and then the man began to speak. The crowds were amazed. Nothing like this has ever happened in Israel, they exclaimed. The Jewish people understood what demon possession was, and they also knew that it really couldn't be healed. You really couldn't get over it. But Jesus, nothing's impossible for Jesus, right? Amen? So when he did this, they were amazed because they've never seen anything like that. They thought this man couldn't be helped. And so many times we think that too. We can't be helped, but we can be helped. The only help we need is our Lord. That's it. And that's why these men cried out. Jesus had no problems casting out these demons and made this man speak. Nothing is impossible for our Lord. And tonight, there might be some of you that are here that need a healing. Or there's a situation that's going on in your life that you need to cry out to the Lord. I don't know what that is, but I know the one that does. God knows what that is.
And I know that nothing's impossible for him. So if you need that healing or you need a situation taken care of in your life, just cry out to Jesus. It could be a relationship. It could be a job. And as I said, I don't know what that is, but God does. And you'll be amazed at how compassionate our God is. And we need to cry out to him. Like I said, they'd never seen this in Israel before. And for these reasons, this uh, miracle was particularly amazing to them. And there's a really good reason, and I think that they put this in there, that, that it, we want to kind of touch on it is, it didn't, it, only, it didn't only show the complete authority that Jesus has over everything, right? Because he had authority over it all, and he proved that. But it also showed the weakness and the traditions of the rabbis. It showed the weakness in the flesh because they thought nothing could be done. They didn't think they could be healed. This person couldn't be healed. And that's absolutely not true. And then the third response. This third response in verse 34, it says this, but the Pharisees said, he can cast out demons because he is empowered by the prince of demons. The third response to Jesus' ministry is blasphemy or unbelief. By those who were openly against him, as we see in this passage. Since they could not refute what had happened, they denied the means in which it occurred. Do we do that? We can't explain something, so we deny it? And that's just what they did. This is the second time that they openly blasphemed and called Jesus out when he did his holiness in casting out demons. And they said it was a work of Satan. They proclaimed that the good news of Jesus was evil. Nothing was too bad for them to say of Jesus, right? They did it. They were just spouting off. And surely they were getting very close to the unpardonable sin. The committed unbeliever will not believe regardless of any facts or reasoning, no matter how obvious or convincing. You know, we can't debate someone into the kingdom of God, right? We can't do that. If that person is dedicated to darkness and refuses to see the light, regardless of the intensity of the light, we can't do anything about that. But what we can do is we can tell them about Jesus. What we can do is show them who we are in Christ. And if we have to, we can use words to do that. But if you can debate someone into the kingdom, somebody else can debate them out of the kingdom. You ever heard the term Bible thumper? Have you guys, did, you've heard that? 
you know, I'm going to thump this in your head until you get it. That doesn't work. Our role is very simply to tell people about Jesus Christ. That's what we do. We tell about Jesus what he's done, what he can do for them, and then we kind of take a step to the side and say, Holy Spirit, convict them. You do what you do. Because if we do it, they're not going to get it. We're going to be called a Bible thumper. We're going to, you know, this guy's pushing this stuff down my throat all the time, and I don't want to be around them. You know, those Christians. And you know what they say why people don't want to become a Christian? Because they've met one. I know that's a little harsh, but some people can be overbearing when they do things. We're not meant to be overbearing. What we're meant to do is shine a bright light into a dark world. The only reason that darkness exists is because of the absence of light. That's it. So if we're that bright light, we're shining a bright light into the darkness. That's what we're called to do. And that is the only hope that a person has to get rid of their spiritual blindness and pray that their spiritual blindness is lifted away from them and that their sinful life, that they would repent and turn to Jesus. Otherwise, we all know we'll spend eternity in one of two places, right? We all know where they're at. I'm not going to go there. I think we all know what those are. But it's about our response and their response to Jesus. How do we respond to Jesus? In a little bit, I'm going to give you a chance to respond to Jesus. But in the next verse, verse 35, it says this. Jesus traveled through all the towns, villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. It's interesting there that Jesus healed physically, but what his first thing was, was to heal you spiritually. We need to be physically healed, but most of all, we need to be spiritually healed. And Jesus knew that. That's why he was teaching. That's why he was preaching. And after that, after that, then he did his healings. And it's interesting that it always kind of goes in that pattern. It wasn't that he was healing first. He was teaching. He was letting people know, I'm here to heal, but I'm here for your spiritual healing as well. And when it comes to healing, compassion and healing go together. I don't think you can have a real healing without compassion. Like I said, I go to uh, the infusion center, and the ladies that are there, they are so compassionate when it comes to what they do. And I think from that compassion is the start of the healing process for people. And Jesus does that too, because you'll see in a few minutes, when Jesus heals, there's always something that comes before the healing, because he is spiritually healing them, but he also has something for them. 
his response to us. And we're going to see that right now in verse 36. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused, helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Our Lord is gracious and full of compassion. And tonight, aren't you thankful that our Lord is compassionate to us? You know, I, I, I like that passage because it shows even every day that we go in to the world, and Jesus noticed this because he said they were confused. They were helpless. They're like sheep without a shepherd. Isn't that what the world's like? Isn't that what it's like outside of these walls? People are confused. They don't know what's going on. They're helpless. And that's what our part is, to tell them about the good news, to tell them about Jesus Christ, to have compassion on them. Have you ever noticed that some people are more compassionate than others? You guys ever notice that? I've noticed it. I've noticed it a lot. And I've also noticed in myself that sometimes I can be very compassionate and other times I cannot. So I work on that. I work on that. I served in a ministry one time where the nursing homes were. I learned about compassion. And the Bible defines compassion in a couple different ways, and we're going to look at that. Um, but the Bible says about compassion in Proverbs, it says this, we are to speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Defend the rights of the poor and the needy. Then this is, it says, therefore, and we all know what therefore is, right? It's therefore reason. And this scripture says, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ forgave you. We're called to be compassionate people. We're called to be like Christ. And as him is our example when it comes to compassion, that's who we are. We're called to be compassionate people. The meaning of compassion is to recognize the suffering of others. Do we recognize that suffering in other people when we see them? Do we recognize it right here within these walls? So many times when we come in here, it's the, uh, they call it, what do they call it? Uh, pew talk or something like that, where everybody's, hey, how you doing? Doing good. Everything going well. Everything's fine. But do we recognize that in people? Do we see that not everything's all right? Are we compassionate to see that? Do we recognize the suffering that other people are having or are we just going through the motions? So many times we do that. And if you're taking notes, write this down. Compassion is the willingness to recognize and want to relieve the suffering of another. It's what Jesus did. He recognized it and he was willing and wanted to relieve the suffering 
of other people. Remember, they were sheep that were lost. They didn't have a shepherd. When you're compassionate, you feel the pain of other people. And Jesus felt our pain, didn't he? He took our sin on that cross and he felt the pain from that. And when we recognize when someone's in pain and we look at what we can do to alleviate that person's suffering, that's compassion. In the Latin roots, compassion means to suffer with. We're to suffer with. When you're compassionate, you're not running away from the suffering. You're not feeling overwhelmed by the suffering. You're not pretending the suffering doesn't exist. When you're compassionate, you stay present in the suffering. You stay present in the suffering. That's when we take action. Compassion leads to mercy, which is almost like forgiveness when you go there. This is a quality that has to do with compassion and forgiveness. We have a compassionate God who longs to be gracious to us. Therefore, he will rise up and show us compassion all the time. When we think about compassion, we have to set aside our indifferences and connect with those who are in pain. If you're taking notes, this is what I was saying about compassion seems to be the first step of healing. Because Jesus always looked at compassion before he healed. In Matthew 20, it says this, when Jesus saw the blind man, for example, he had compassion on them and touched their eyes immediately. He had compassion before he healed them. Compassion and healing go together. I never really thought about that much, but when you look at the scriptures, when you see what Jesus did, he had compassion. In Matthew 14, it says, when he saw the groups that were listening to his teaching, he had compassion on them, and then he healed the sick. Christ always is compassionate. And he noticed that the sheep were confused and they were lost and he had compassion on them. But I think it's important for us to look at the example of Jesus when he had compassion. There were two things that were very common with him. And I think this goes for all of us. The first thing was Jesus noticed the people that were around him. Jesus noticed the people that were around him. So if you're taking notes, Jesus noticed the people around him. Compassion is only possible when we are in tuned to other people being relational. We can't recognize someone's suffering if they're going through something if we don't have a relationship with them. We'll walk right on by them. And Jesus didn't do that. If we're absorbed with our own feelings and our own problems, our own worries and desires, 
we will overlook the needs of those that people that God puts in our path. And God puts people in our path each and every day. But what do we do? Do we ignore that? Or do we use the opportunity that God's given us to be compassionate and speak to them and talk to them? The second thing that's very noticeable about Jesus is that Jesus responds to people instead of reacting to people. He responded instead of reacting. Like I said, sometimes I react. I reacted earlier or something. But Jesus never did that. In Luke, it talks about the 10 lepers. The lepers that called him out, they were yelling at him, right? But what did he do? It says they were asking that they have pity on them. But Jesus didn't have pity on them. He had compassion on them. He had compassion. He listened to those 10 lepers. Rather than being irritated that they were interrupting him, he responded with compassion. How are we at that? How are we at when we get interrupted at something, when someone just gets in there? What do we do? How do we respond or do we react? And like I said, I, I react sometimes. I'm, I'm going to be real with you. I'm not perfect by any means. I react to things differently, but I should be responding like Jesus. And that's what we should do. We should respond with compassion. And I said this before, I use this in prayer culture, but being all there listening, responding instead of reacting if you're taking notes, write this down. Simply listening with your full presence can be one of the most compassionate acts that you can offer. Listening is doing something. How many times do we actually listen to people? How many times do we actually listen to our spouses? And I have to admit, I listen to my wife, but sometimes I don't hear. And that's not it. You know, I, I talked to um, some, some people the other day. I don't know if you guys ever watch YouTube videos. Do you ever watch YouTube videos? Have you ever, who, who's seen the video Nail in the Head? Anybody seen that? I want to encourage you to watch that video. It's about listening. I learned a lot from that video. And what I learned was very simply this. When my wife talks to me, she doesn't want me to fix it. Right? But I'm a man, so I'm going to fix stuff. Right? That's what we do. We fix stuff. So when she's talking to me, I got the answers for you. I'll tell you what's best. No, what she wants is for you to listen to her. And that's it. She doesn't want you to fix it. She wants you to be all there listening to what she says. And that's just a little bonus for you guys, okay? Because I've been down that road and I've learned that, okay? Listening is important. Listening is doing something. We don't have to fix things. Our wives do not want us to fix stuff. They want us to listen. 
They want us to be compassionate, to be all there when they're talking to us. And then last week, Pastor David was talking about the woman at the, with that was uh, reaching at Jesus's helm. Remember or hem? Remember that? What did Jesus do? Hey, who's, who's no, no? What did he do? He had compassion on her, and he healed her. He listened. He didn't chastise her. He didn't get on her about lack of boundaries. Jesus responded with compassion. And as God's chosen people, as God's people, we should respond with compassion instead of reacting out of what we have in the flesh because that's what we do. Like anything else, we can get better with compassion. You can build up your empathy. And this is the one I like the most. Um, I don't use it enough. I probably should, but learn to pause before you speak. Okay? I try to use an eight-second rule. Do you guys know what the eight-second rule is? Once you start to think something, wait eight seconds before you say it. Okay? Because once you say it, you're not going to get it back. But if you can listen to it in your mind for eight seconds, then you can say, yeah, that's not it. I need to, I need to correct that before I say it. Because once we speak, that's it. Those words can't come back. Okay? In Samuel... 1 Samuel 16, 7 says, People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. He's looking at what we say, so watch what we say. Pause before we speak. To be compassionate to others, we need to have time to let the Holy Spirit override what we're thinking, and that's what I like to say that eight second is. It's not like a bull riding. Have you guys watched the bull riding lately? Have you guys seen that? Well, I have antenna. I don't have cable, so I only get like, 30 channels, but only two or three that don't pixelate all over the place. So I've been watching this bull riding thing, and it's an eight-second rule. they got to stay on this bull for eight seconds. If you get a chance, since I just, sorry, that's an extra. But it's the eight-second thing they stay on there. Very interesting if you get a chance to watch that, though. But when we think about that, that eight seconds, just think about that for a second and just say, you know, pray to the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, speak through me, speak to me so that what I say glorifies you. It's not the words that I want. And then recognize the barriers are to compassion. And one of the biggest barriers to compassion that I know is it's impossible to be annoyed with someone and compassionate to them at the same time. That's a barrier. You can't be compassionate and be annoyed at the same time. So look at that. Now, verse 37. Sorry, I'm getting a little off track, but so Cindy's back there shaking her head. I like it. I'll hear about this tonight. She kind of critiques my teaching, so I'll hear, I'll hear about that later. So in verse 37 it says, He said to his disciples, The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into the field. The workers are few and the harvest is great. And our response to the calling of Jesus in our life is to be in those fields, telling people about Jesus Christ and what he's done. And our actions, in our service, in our example of who we are. And again, if we have to, use words. 
People should see who you are by the example that you set, by who you are. You're compassionate, you're loving, you have peace, and you have joy. And as we get ready to close, there's only a couple responses, really. We talked about three of them tonight, belief, amazement, and unbelief. But there's only one of these that leads to eternal salvation. And these two blind men, they received it. They knew that they believed in Jesus, that he could rescue them. They cried out for his mercy, and they received it by their faith. The opposite is the open rejection like the Pharisees, and they condemned themselves by that. The dumb man that spoke and the crowds that were amazed, they might have received a temporary benefit. But I don't believe their hearts were changed. They were indifferent to his claim of who he was as he demonstrated through his miracles and through his teachings that he was the Messiah. In this response, the vast majority of people, some ignore Jesus, while others might just praise him, but neither place their faith in Jesus and followed him like these blind men did. And tonight, any response other than our faith in receiving Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior will not put us in heaven. The most important question tonight who is Jesus and what is your response to him? Are you proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ clearly to others so that they might respond to him in faith? Jesus is the only hope that we have. And tonight, we don't normally do this, but I want to give you a chance to respond to Jesus. So if you'll just bow your heads. Father, tonight, we have a choice to believe in who you are and respond with that belief. We're amazed at who you are and what you've done, and we're so thankful for what you've done in our lives. But some of us have not responded well or even responded at all. And I want to give them an opportunity tonight if you haven't responded to Jesus in your life. God's word says today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to respond to Jesus, to cry out, yes, Lord, I want to follow you. I want to receive you into my life. So if that's you tonight, and you want to respond, just raise your hand. God sees that hand. And what will he do? He will respond to you with compassion and mercy 
and salvation. Father, tonight, as we learned about those responses and we respond to your calling each and every day and we cry out to you that we will follow you all the days of our lives, help us to be more compassionate people, increase our faith, increase our belief in you, and give us the strength to tell people about your son, to be in the fields, to be with a kingdom mindset to advance your kingdom for your glory. Father, thank you for the opportunity to teach tonight. I pray that each and every heart that you touch tonight will be blessed, that you would move through this congregation, that as we leave here, that we would be the examples of how we respond to you like you responded to us with compassion, mercy, and love. Thank you, Father, for each and every day that you give us. Thank you for your son and what he's done. In your son's precious name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Sebastian podcast channel. If this message impacted your life, we encourage you to share it with a friend. We're located at 1251 Sebastian Boulevard, just northeast of Intersection 90th Avenue and State Road 512 in Sebastian, Florida. Our service times are Saturday evening at 6 p.m., Sunday morning at 1045 a.m., and Wednesdays at 630 p.m.